the goodness through Chag. We're making a recording now uh, for the first day Yontov of Shavuot, um, which we started on Mem Gimel Omed Beit. Mem Gimel Omed Beit, we were holding in the middle of a a Machlokas Beishamai Beishilel as to what is the order, what is the proper way of holding them, and how to make the brachos with regard to wine and oil. The Gemara, it's actually, the Gemara says, Tonu Rabbonon, it's um, two, four, six, eight, ten lines up, ten lines up from the very wide line, uh, before the very wide line, the last words on the line, Tonu Rabbonon, Heviyulifneim Shemen V'yayin, if they brought in front of them oil and wine. According to Rashi, we're talking about the oil and the wine which was taken before benching, the oil to clean the hands, which we said was only Rashi could learn like that, because Rashi's shita is that one does make a bracha on oil that one cleans one's hands with. Maybe not very up to Vesomim, but one can make very shemen orev if it's the right oil, the afarsimen oil. So the oil, we're talking about the oil which is used before benching to clean one's hands. And the yayin and wine that a person has after, has after the meal before benching, which would require bracha. So if they're brought in front of them like that, that's going to be the machlekes. Whereas the Rambam, the Rambam um, says that we're talking about oil and wine which is brought after benching, i.e. the wine which is brought after benching, obviously, which will require, require a very proud often. Um, and the oil, presumably the oil which was brought after benching, um, like mugmar, to, for smelling. And this would fit with the shit of the other Roshanim say because we can't be talking about oil here, which you're having before benching, because you don't make a bracha on oil which is used to clean the hands. Rather, it must be the oil which is used for smelling. Well, oil for smelling is usually brought, at least according to the way we learned Rashi earlier, the smelling spices would be brought after benching. So that would seem to be why the Rambam decided not to learn like Rashi. And again, there was a rivet there who, uh, who disagreed with the Rambam. But that's the, the basic idea. Whichever oil and wine we're talking about, he requires a bracha on both of them. So that it's brought in front of them. So you hold the oil in your right hand, the tayayim mismoen, and the wine in the left hand. And you first make a bracha on the oil, then you make a bracha on the wine. Whereas you make a bracha, you hold the, the wine in the right hand, the oil in the left hand, you make a bracha on the wine, then you make a bracha on the oil. The kids are, they're arguing about which one you make the bracha on first. And whichever one you make a bracha on first, that's the one you hold in your right hand, and then you make a bracha on the other one. Now we said, although nowadays we don't really have this musug of, of uh, oil, but uh, where it does make enough kamina is going to be when it comes to Habdallah. As it's passed in the Shulchan Aruch, Simon Reish we said that um, when a person picks up the coast, so he picks up the coast in his right hand, the cup of wine in his right hand, and he holds the basalmim in his left hand. Because he's going to be making the bracha on the coast first, and then the basalmim. So as we actually discussed in the shir, we went round and we actually saw there were there are varying minhogim amongst the uh, participants and amongst the different people have different minhogim exactly how to do it. You see, some people they bedafka hold the wine on every single thing, every stage of of a uh, havdala. When you make the bracha at the beginning, very often, obviously you have the wine in your right hand. Then when you make the bracha on the basalmim, you take the basalmim in the le- in the right hand and you take the wine over to your left hand. And so too, when making Bari Mary Aisha, some people will hold the cup. The reason being because this shitter holds that you have to make a bracha on when, when every single part of Avdal has to be done over the coast. And since it has to be done over the coast, you should always be holding the, the cup, whether it's in the right or the left hand, but it should always be held in the hand. 
Others, the Dafka, do not hold the cup. They only hold the thing they're making the bracha on. So when it comes to Beri Priyagofen, a person picks up the, picks up the cup, doesn't hold the Besodim. When he makes the Beri Mene Besodim, does not hold the cup, just makes the Beri Mene Besodim, just holds the Besodim, does the Beri Mene then he picks up the cup again. Seemingly, I want to the explanation is because you should only be holding the thing, you're only concentrating on one thing, only the thing you're actually making the bracha on. But what we actually added to that was like this. We added, uh, uh, this was already from the Shea on, on, on Erev Yomtev, was why is it that the Gemara, for example, the Gemara or the Shitz, the Shulchan Aruch is, you should hold the wine in your right hand and you should hold the Besomim in your left hand. Why? I'm not making a bracha on the Besomim now, so why should I be holding the Besomim in the left hand? Well, in the case of the Gemara, if I'm making a bracha on the wine, why should I be holding the oil in my left hand? Why? So he said, seemingly it would make sense, it would make a lot of sense to say, that the Chiddush is, because since you're going to be making the bracha on one after the other, the Chiddush is, you hold the wine in your right hand, you hold the besomim in your left hand, and as you are holding them like that, you make a bracha on the wine, and then you make a bracha on the besomim. You don't switch hands. And that's exactly what the Rabbi Naman Earth says. Because he says, if you're switching hands, then what was the point of holding the besomim to start with? If when you make the bracha on the besomim, you're going to have to switch into the right hand, so why are you holding in the left hand to start with? Elamayim, the Chiddush must be that you hold the psalm in the left hand and you make the bracha like that on the psalm as well. And that is Taka the shift of the Gon as well. The Gon says as well, there's no Makar to switch hands. And he disagrees with the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch who says, do you switch hands? He says, why? There's no Makar for that. And we, we pointed out that the Aruch HaShulchan, the Aruch HaShulchan says in his place, no, no, no one uh, does the thing in the Shulchan Aruch of holding both in the hand, they don't do that. And we suggested that it could be just an idea, maybe that's an, 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 based on what we just said now, an added reason why people don't hold both when making the first bracha. Because if you hold both, then now you've gone into the shayda. Should I switch hands for the besomim or should I not switch hands? According to the Shulchan Aruch, I have to switch the besomim into the right hand. According to the God and the Rabbi on Earth, no you don't. You hold the besomim in your left hand. So because of this shayda, maybe that's where it came from, just don't hold the besomim at all to start with. If you're not holding the besom at all to start with, then obviously you're going to have to take it in your right hand when you make the bracha. The shayda is only if you're holding them both in your hands when you make the, the, the first bracha. You're holding the cup in your right hand, the besom in your left hand, should you switch it. If I'm not holding the besom to start with, then obviously I put down the cup and I pick up the besom. Maybe that's where it came from. That was already all covered pretty much in the Shea on Erev Yomtev. But then we continue on the price, and the price says, once the, the person he's seen, he's made the bracha on the oil, and he's cleaned his hands, the top by Hashanash. So that he's, he's cleaning his hands, or whether going to the Ramam, he's smelling the oil, but now his hands are all oily. So he smears the oil on the head of the, of the Shamash, of his uh, person who is servant. But if his Shamash is a Tamas Chacham, then you should smear it on the, oil, on the wall. Because it's a disgrace for a Tamas Chacham to go out into the, into the market when he's perfumed. Obviously, the oil has a nice smell. It's a Ganai. We'll see in the Gemara why that is. Tanarabon has been taught in a brighter. Shisha devarim Ganai the Tamas Chacham. There are six things which are a disgrace for the Tamas Chacham. Number one, Ali Kishuma Bosom Nashuk. We'll explain one by one afterwards. He shouldn't go out perfumed into the market. Number two, Vadiyeti Yechidi Balaydi shouldn't go out alone at night. Number two, Vadiyeti Minonim Amatiloim shouldn't go out with patched up shoes. Number four, Vadiyetapir Emishab Ashuk, he shouldn't speak with a woman in the market. Number five, Vadiyeti Bechaburah Shalami Oritz, he shouldn't sit together with a group of Amaratsin. 
And on the sixth, Rabbi Konis Bo'acharon of the Beis Hamedrash. He shouldn't come in last, shouldn't come in late into the Beis Hamedrash. The Yish Oyrim, some say, after Yafsiya Bsiya Gato. He shouldn't take large steps when he walks. And the Adi Hadich, the Kerm of the Kufa, and he shouldn't walk with an upright posture. So the Gemara goes through one by one. Adi Yitikishu Mavusam Lashuk. He shouldn't go out when he's perfumed into the market. Omer Rabbi Abba Barid Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, Omer Rabbi Yechonon. The Mokim Shechashutim al Mishkal Zohar. We're talking about in places, in a place where they are suspects of having relations with uh, the same, of the same, people of the same gender. And therefore, in that, in such places, people would put on the would put on a perfume in order to attract attention to themselves, and people would come, people would have tiger so of the same gender, with apparently for some reason it's the same gender, uh, to have relations with them. So therefore, if this person, if the Thomas Coffin goes out perfumed into the market, obviously, uh, people, it looks like he's going out in the Mishkab Zaha. Now, as was pointed out in the Shia, why should that be a din then for the Thomas Coffin? It should apply to anyone. So we suggested an answer that it could be that it's not Peshat that people are going to be Khoshi, that's why he's going out. Rather, Peshat is people are going to be attracted to him, thinking that's his intention. And it's a big good night. For somebody else, okay, so the person tells them, you know, hands off. That's not, that's not, I'm, I'm not interested. But very common, yeah, he's going to say that, but it's a canai. So people to come over to him and sort of uh, introduce themselves and say, are you interested? And he says, no, that's a canai to be speaking to Thomas Cotton that way. Therefore, he shouldn't do it like that. But the truth is, from the continuation of the Gemara, it doesn't work in the next bit, and therefore it doesn't seem that it's Peshat. Rather, the Peshat seems to be, we're not about Maris Ayn, that people are going to think that's why he's going out. No, because people can be done the Kapsachus. But if Thomas Cotton has to be extra refined, he's got to keep sort of that bit away, that no one should even think, even get the wrong, possible wrong end of the stick, why he's, why he's uh, perfumed. So somebody else, okay, it's, it's a good thing, but a tongue's not expected that extra, extra, to go that extra mile. Omer says That's only if he puts the, uh, the perfume, whatever it is, on his clothes. But if he puts it on his body, that's just to remove um, the to remove perspiration. That's nothing to do. And again, how people would know that, they wouldn't be attracted to him. That apparently people realize it's nothing to do with Mishkal Zoha. Omar al-Papa says, Al-Papa is the Oruk of After putting perfume in one's hair, that's like the beggar, it's forbidden. But Omar al-Papa says, Al-Papa is the Oruk of No, it's like the, the, the hair is also a sweaty place, and never got the dinner of the body. And so to go on, we obviously, we, well not obviously, but we pass him like the first Loshan, the Khumrah. He says, how do I know that? We know that from the Gomorrah beforehand, because it says the person after using the shaman at the end of the meal, what does he do with it? It says he should put it on the head of the, clean his hands on the head of his shamash. But if the shamash is a Thomas Tachon, then don't do it. Why? The head is not a, he's done any begotten there. It's hair. So you see, Alamai, you see, like the first option that it's forbidden to perfume, for a Thomas Tachon to perfume his head. His hair, in other words. And that's exactly how the Raman Paskins, the Raman Paskins, that the hair has got the same thin as the beggar. That's our law. And as I pointed out, I can't remember exactly where I saw it, and I've still tried to track it down. I haven't, and I don't know exactly what the Pesach was, but I believe it was tied into this Gemara, Ramosha once Paskins. I don't know whether he held that, uh, held like that, Mamash Halach or Amaisa, whether, but, uh, you see, it was once he was after Chasen, and somebody asked him about putting on, I think it was deodorant or perfume on Shabbos. And he says, for men it's Mutter, and for women it's Osa. Or vice versa. I cannot remember for definite which way around it was. And I believe it was based on this Gemara. I think. Because for men, it's forbidden to perfume the clothes. 
So therefore, the deodorant has to be on the body. And I have a feeling, he's, I have a feeling it could have been something along the lines, therefore it's mutter, because there's been no problem. I think it's stupid height. So I think it's malachat height, so on Shabbos. Going out with that. But for women, they can perfume the clothes as well. Therefore, since they can perfume the clothes, I'm just thinking now, maybe the truth is it's the other way around. Maybe for a man, if the deodorant goes on the clothes, that's a problem. You can't just say it's bottles for the clothes, because you don't, you're not allowed to have it. Uh, you're not allowed to perfume the clothes, so maybe it's tucker that way around. As I said, I don't remember exactly which way around it was, but I believe, based on this Gemara, he wanted to make a chile between men and women putting on deodorants on Shabbos. Because of this, this thing of the deodorant going on the body or the clothes. And I can't work out for definite, I've got, I've got ideas, but I'm not sure, and I'm st- I still hope to try and find it. I thought it was in the book about his biography, I've gone through the book, uh, sort of skimmed through it again, but could be I missed it there. I don't know exactly... Um, Maybe we have to search a, a little wider to try and find this besides. But I believe it ties in with this Gemara. Continues on the Gemara. Uh, shouldn't go out alone at night. Because of Chashad. Because, again, people are going to suspect, oh, where's he going? Maybe he's going. He's got a woman waiting for him somewhere. And again, seemingly, why is it Thomas Chacham? Because, again, for other people, here, here we can't really... Well, how, how else, how else are, we, are we going to explain this? Because here it's, it's clear that Mishum Chashad or Shalzanut, it sounds definitely like Shaf is, not that people are going to get the wrong end of the stick and be attracted to him, rather people are going to assume, where's he going? So why is it Dafka Tam Chacham? So here presumably you have to say, like, like we said, it's a Tam Chacham is expected to go the extra mile. Of course, anyone could be going anywhere at night. Could be going anywhere at night. But, um, that, that, uh, for the Tam Chacham, you've got to be that, extra, extra course, because people are obviously got to be sort of extra vigilant because people are watching. Maybe something along those lines. That's only if he doesn't have a fixed time for his learning, with his reverence. If he's got a fixed time for his learning, maybe he'll be able and everyone knows that's where he's going, he's going to his ship. You shouldn't go out with patched up shoes. that to have a patch on top of a patch, that's so patched up now, that, that is already is, is, uh, is a, a Ganai for a Thomas Hochel. But our modern Elobapanto, the problem is only if you have the patch on the top of the shoe, where it can be seen. Although the gilds of on the on the sole, on the underside of the shoe, on the underside of the shoe, that's not there's no problem because it can't be seen. With a panto, the modern Elobapanto, and even on the top of the shoe is only if you're going outside, on the road. But to walk around with your shoes like that in the house is not a problem, because it's your own private domain. And even on the road, with the patch, on top of the patch, on the road, is only a problem in the summery days. In the winter, there's no problem, because it's muddy, and the mud will cover it all up anyway, so no one will notice it anyway. As we said, nowadays, presumably that wouldn't apply, our roads are not quite as muddy as they once were. And uh, continues on the Gemara. Next one. Zadisate Mishabashot. A person should not talk with a woman in the market. Omar Avchisa says, Avchisa is, again, a time of Tachem, shouldn't speak with an Ishabashot. Omar Avchisa, Avchisa, even if it's his wife. 
Tani Nami also says we will answer in a bride, Afido Yeshta, even if it's his wife, Afido Yibita, even if it's his daughter, Afido Yachos, even if it's his sister. The Fisha in our cult became Vikravesa, because again, it's because of what people may try and sort of uh, misconstrue it for. Not, not everyone knows it, who his relatives are. They'll see him speaking with a woman in the marketplace, doesn't look very good. But he shouldn't sit with, uh, with a group of Amaratsim. Night time, what's the reason? Because maybe it will come to be drawn after them. It doesn't like the Gemara in Abid the first possible can hidden says, it says, so is it the going with them? Is it the standing with them? Or is it the sitting with them? And the Gemara says in Abed if you go with such people as scoffers and Amaratsin, you'll end up standing with them. And once you end up standing with them, you'll end up sitting with them and having a much more kabuatika um, conversation with them and uh, making stronger ties with them. A Talmud Chacham should keep well away from such people because again he'll be drawn away after them. And finally, Vali Konis Acharon Levei Samedrash, you shouldn't come in last into the Levei Samedrash. We shouldn't correlate for Shea because they'll call them negligent. Even if he's got a valid excuse, but people again they look at the Talmud Chacham and they say, "Oh, why is he coming in late to the Levei Samedrash? Why is he coming in late for davening?" As you mentioned, there's a story with one of the Gedolim. I have a feeling it was the son of the Chavit Chaim, but I don't remember. That um, one time, somebody went over, once went over to him and he said, look, we've noticed, we can't help noticing, but every morning Shafiz, every single day you come in late. Why? So he said, you're right. You're right. They were quoting this Gemara. He said, the truth is, the truth is, you're 100% right. But what can I do? Every morning I come out of the house to come to shul, I leave good and, good and early, and as I'm on my way to shul, I hear a woman crying. She's having, she's having problems with, with, with uh, looking after her children. She's all on her own. What can I do? My heart goes out to her. And especially as that woman happens to be my wife. Chesed comes first. But again, you see the, how careful a person has to be because of what people think. So therefore, a person has to, I suppose in that case, he made it known to them. That's why in the end he made it, at least he made it known why he was coming late. The Yish Omim, and some say, a person shouldn't take large footsteps. So because Large steps take away one five hundredth of a person's eyesight. My can't see. What should he do about it? He has to be kedusha the beishemshi. He should get it back when it comes to kiddush of Friday night. Rashi says he should drink from the wine on Friday night. And before I should speak about the idea of putting wine in the eyes, which you'll probably would have seen with half dollar, and they say not to do it because it's it's uh, because it's refua. But uh, others say no, it's not unless you blink the kids. But Rashi sticks with the idea of drinking the wine on Friday night. Now the light is actually brought in the Hilcha Shabbos. It's brought this idea about not taking large footsteps. It talks about an amor between the uh, between the. Um, Yes, yeah, so it's it's, um, it's brought in, in Shulchan Aruch. It's actually the beginning of Simish Shin, Shin Aleph. There, this idea of not uh, taking large footsteps. There, the the, the Mishnah Brewer explains he explains the Shulchan Aruch not to have more than an, half an amo between your foot your feet. He's saying we're talking about an average person who is his foot is uh, is half an amo. So in total, when you take a footstep, 
including the space between one foot and the other, and the foot itself would be a total of, a, of an armor. Some use bigger, but obviously have a slightly bigger gap. Now, as I said, it is brought in Shulchan Aruch. It doesn't seem it's... Uh, I, th- I think they talk about... You won't find it so much uh, nowadays. People being much with it. I think it's talked about. But, um... One point is, but what's it got to do with Kiddush on Friday night? What's, what's, what's going on over here? What's five, what one five hundred's got to do with it? So what we pointed out was, just something to think about. We're not going to go into, into, into too much detail. But, um... The Gemara, I think it's in Chagigah, says... That between the, gra- the earth and Shomayim is 500 years. Whatever that means. 500 light years, that's what it means. 500 years. That's point number one. Point number two is that the Gemara says, the Gemara Chagiga as well, that um, before the Chet of Olam Arishan, Olam Arishan was able to see from one end of the world to the other. And in terms of his height as well, he was like, from, again, from the ground up to the Rokiai, he was, all, all, so to speak, all-encompassing. That's point number two. Point number three is that um, the Gemara says in Baba Basra that after the t- somebody once uh, found Adam Orisha and found his body, and it says the soles of his feet were like, the, were like the sun, the orbits of the sun. That's point number three. Point number four is that we know the relationship between Kalali soil, the human being, and the Rabbani Shalom is so to speak, represented parallel Kaviochal in the relationship between the sun and the moon. In the same way that the moon is limited, it just reflects the, the, the light of the sun, so too we are limited. We just reflect the glory of Hashem. Whereas the sun, which is, so to speak, the source of the light, I say so to speak, is Lahabdil, um, the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the source of everything. And we know that before the Chet, before the Chet of Adam Yishen, the sun and the moon were tachas kesecha. They were literally under one crown. And that means, therefore, the moon, so to speak, saw through. It was, it was joined to the sun. It was mechubah to the sun. So, too, when we are joined to the Rabbeinu Shalom, we are no longer just merely reflecting the light of, of our Kodesh Baruch We see through his very, uh, through his very um, eyes. Now, if we put all this, all this information together, it would seem to, that you could say something along these lines. That Kodem before the Chet of Adam Arishan, Adam Arishan was walking in Gan Eden with the Rabbi He was like the moon which was connected to the sun. He was able to see from one end of the world to the other because he was completely connected to the Rabbi That sort of distance between earth and Shomayim, the 500 year gap was closed up. Adam Arishan was so connected to the Rabbi that he could see from one end of the world to the other. But it all went wrong when he took from the Eight Tadas, which according to Shit al is wine. He took from the wine on Arab Shabbos, and as the Slav says, they were supposed to have from that wine, but on Friday night to make Kiddush. But they took from it too early. That was the Chet. As a result of that, as a result of that Chet, the Gemara says in Chagiga that HaKadosh Baruch Hu diminished the height of Adam Arishon, and presumably he was no longer able to see from one end of the world to the other. That means that shot, he took away one of five hundred of the eyesight here. The shot is one of five hundred is as if to say that he no longer has that five hundred year gap, it's no longer closed. He can no longer make that, that, uh, that connection with, between Shomayim and Oris. And therefore he's not seeing through the eyes of the Rebbe and therefore he can no longer see from one end of the world to the other. That's the idea.
And that's why the Gemara says here, some years pay seyap gasa. And by the way, Odom Arisha should have lived a thousand years. He gave the last 70 years to Odom Arisha, uh, to, to David Amelech, to sort of be Mesachim Nechet. So the Ephraim is 500 years there and 500 years back. 500 years to Shomayim, 500 years to bring it back to that curve, back to, back to the earth. But the basic idea is that somebody takes large steps. And the Bosham says it's the idea of, it's the idea of the, um, it's the idea of, um, Gaiva. It comes from Gaiva. But either way, he's, the idea that other Mauritian, that it says the soles of his feet were like the, the orbits of the sun. Now, why is the soles of the feet is not, is not, uh, is not, not really for now? But the basic idea is that when a person takes these Psyas gases, the Peshat is, that Gaiva is, we know that, Enod Menevada, the whole world is Hashem, as we're going to speak about in a second. The minute you assert your Onotius, the minute you assert your own existence, the Mimeda, you're pushing our Kodesh Baruch away. That's how the Gemara is going to continue in a second. And therefore, that, that break steps in, and his eyesight is limited. One of five hundred Bidafka, one of five hundred is taken away. Can they get that five hundred year gap between which we're looking to close between Shemaim and Oret? When a person asserts his own onosius, he's quashing, as we said, it's to do with the soles of the feet again, but that, that's really sort of beyond, beyond the scope to explain, explain why that is. So therefore, he's, he's, that gap is opened up once again. That 500-year gap, or 1-500, is taken away. The way to get it back is by doing what other Mauritians should have done, i.e. by making Kiddush on Friday night over the wine. By making Kiddush on Friday night, we copy what should have been, and therefore with that we can be mistaken the eyesight. Because remember, and it's Dafka, by the way, we can't go without noticing, it's Kiddush the Beish Shimshi, of the sun, when the sun sets. Again, you can think about that. What's the significance in that? Obviously, we haven't explained it 100%. I think the facts are there. I believe the facts do tie up to quite a nice Peshat. I don't think I've done it justice, though. Uh, I'm not 100% clear myself yet. Um, but uh, I think the facts are there. It does need a little bit, uh, a bit more, perhaps more in the esoteric, which is obviously beyond my depth and definitely beyond the, the scope of this year but I think if we put all that together I think we can get a little bit of, a, of an appreciation why Dafka 1500 why the Kiddush should bring it back and finally the Gemara finishes off a person should not go with an upright posture the Olamar because now says somebody walks with an upright posture it's just for Amis if he pushes away the feet of the Shechina his glory fills the whole earth and the idea is that basically there's, no, there's nothing but the Rebbe Nishalona the minute a person walks with an upright posture it's as if to say I also exist but if I also exist then that means that Hashem is the whole of the universe except the Daladam is where I'm standing. We know that the world is supposed to be it's referred to as the as the uh, as the footstool of the of the of the Rabbanishalom. And when a person walks with his head held up high, the idea is that he's pushing the Rabbanishalom out of this world. That's what the um, that's the way the, the, the Mufarsham explain it over here. But as we mentioned, obviously it does not mean that a person should walk with an, a very, very stooped posture the that he walks into lampposts and things like that, the Gemara and Sota does not speak very kindly of, uh, of such people. Says the next Mishnah, Tofa Mem Dalla Now we're going to speak about the actual Sugya of Ikha and Tofa, we've already come across it more than once. This is where the actual Sugya comes in. Says the Mishnah. And today, that is Hashem, we'll just get an intro- introduction to it, 
and uh, in the next year we'll go into it in a little more detail and cover the halacha. Says the, mix, m- m- the Mishnah, if they brought in front of him something salty, a salty food, they brought that to him first, who pass him and they bring bread with it. He just makes a broth on the salty food, and that broth covers the bread. Because the bread is subsidiary to the salty food. This is the rule. Wherever you've got an ikah and with it, something which is subsidiary, you just make a broth on the ikah, and that covers and exempts the thing which is the subsidiary, the topper. Says the Gemara, can you have something, something? Is there such a thing? Where you have the moliach, the salty thing will be the ikar, and the pasta is the top, it is the subsidiary. How can that be? Bread is so kosher, how can it ever be total? So, yes, you can. We're talking about somebody who's eating the fruit of genusa. Now, just to get an idea of what the peris genusa is, the Gemara continues on and explains. Omar and we would go behind Rabbi Yechonon, the Mechah Peyot Kinusa, to eat the fruits of Kinusa. Kiyavinon Beimeo, when there were a hundred of us, Minatino Beyechol Chaz Vachat, Asoro Asoro. Each one would gather ten pieces of fruit of Kinusa. Vichiyavinon Beyasoro, when there were ten of us, Minatino Beyechol Chaz Vachat, Neomeo. Each of us would gather a hundred pieces. So altogether, either way, there would be a thousand pieces of fruit. The Chomei Ominayu and a hundred each piece, a hundred pieces of fruit have a machzik lutzano by tzelosasavu. We take up a a basket which held three tzelos, three sabi. Which the uh, gerusa some say that it, the, the gerusa should be loyal the machzik. In other words, a basket would not hold it, and a basket of three tzelos would not be able to hold it. It was even more than that. So we're talking about a huge amount of of of, um, of fruit. We're talking about over over thirty sabi of of, uh, of, 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 this, uh, of this fruit. V'yachinu, and what would happen? Rabbi Yechanan, we know Rabbi Yechanan had quite a large appetite, but nonetheless, he would eat the whole lot. Umishtabeyan, he would swear to Lotoyim Ziyun. He hasn't tasted any Ziyun, any sort of uh, food. As says Marco, Midi Tabarachilo. So after the Gemara, really? Ziyun or Salgadaitos? You think really he didn't taste any food? No, that can't be. And the aim on the Zainam. He said, after all this, he said, I haven't tasted any molten, something which actually fills the person up, which is so. That was the period of The period of something which is so, so sweet, it just doesn't fill a person up. It's a bit like the Gemara says in the Gila. No matter how full a person is, he's always got room for something sweet, for, for dessert. Dessert just doesn't take up any place. It doesn't take up any place. That's how sweet the period of was. Rabbi Avohu Ochil, Rabbi Avohu would eat the fruit, it was so sweet, it was so enriching, that his face would shine with a certain, uh, not perspiration, it's a certain shine, and it would be so smooth the skin, that a, that a fly would slip off his face. It wouldn't be able to stick to his face, it was so shiny and smooth. They would eat, until the hair would drop out. Rabbi Shimon not have a he would eat at the morning until he got out of his mind. The Omaru Rabbi Yechon on the Dvein is here. Rabbi Yechon would say to the house of the Nasi, he'd give them instructions to tell them what's happened. It's not covered theory, shlokish behaving like this. But the Mishadere Rabbi Yehudan is here. Rabbi Yehudan is here would send along Balushe Abate, a lot of people, a group of people after Rabbi Rish Lokish, 
to bring him back home so he should be able to recuperate at home preserving his dignity. Remember Rabbi Yechonon was the brother-in-law of Rishlok Shorsa's Rebbe as it happens. We spoke about the, the story but that's Hashem for, a, for, for, for another time. Kiyotu Rabdimi when Rabdimi came Omar he said you should know also on the subject you should know there was a certain city the Yana Amelech had the Haramelech in a place called Haramelech. They would produce from it, they would have to take out, sorry, they'd have to take out there, 600,000 containers, baskets, of fish, this tiny fish, for the people who are cutting down the figs, from one Erev Shabbos to another Erev Shabbos. Do you know what I'm saying? They have so many figs produced in one week, that they'd have to provide for all those workers who were, who, who, there were so many workers required to cut down the figs, that they'd have to provide 600,000 containers of fish for them, for that one week. He also, Robin, when Robin came along, Oma, he said, you should know, even Echot, or the Yana Amelech, or Amelech, Yana Amelech has, on Har Amelech, have one tree, so you may read him in Menu, our boims to all, goes loaf, Mishalish Perech, Tafetish. It would produce, presumably the tree was so big, it said, that uh, all the, 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 the doves were so, were so fruitful there. Forty se'ah, forty se'ah of gozlos, forty se'ah of these gozlos, of these, of these uh, birds, three times a month. Three times a month. So it's 120 se'ah from that one tree. Kiyotu Rabbi Yitzchok, when Rabbi Yitzchok came along, Omar, he said, There was one sitting in Eretz the Gufnish Shema, his name is Gufnish. I didn't actually mention this in the Shir, but the Maitah, I saw one on the Foshim, say, why do you have to mention the name? It's to tell you, don't think we're exaggerating. Based on the Gemara and Erevin. The, the Gemara says, that why do you have to mention the name of the mom and the father? It's to do, to do with the case there. And it says, because don't think we're exaggerating. We're giving you all the details, no exaggeration. So don't think what I'm about to say is an exaggeration. His name was Gufnish. That they were there, you had 80 pairs of, of brothers, and all this, each, each pair had two brothers, and they were both Kayanim, obviously, if they were brothers, and they were married to uh, two sisters, so two brothers married to two sisters, and all of them were, were Kayanim, the Kayanim and the Kayanim. Later on, search from but they could not find any such thing anymore, except for the daughters of Rav Chista, that the two sisters were married to two brothers, Rami Barhamo, even though the two sisters were the daughters of a Kain, in Huda Abukani, but the brothers, Romi Barakham, and knowledge of Hamel, he wasn't a Kain, therefore his children were not Kain. In other words, that's the closest we could get. Two sisters married to two brothers, and the two sisters at least were the daughters of a Kain, but the brothers were not. That's the closest we could get. And I think the Bishat and Iskamara, what are we trying to show with this is, presumably the population must have been so big, because the probability of having that is, is to have two brothers married to two sisters, and that should be Kainim, and both sides should be kernin, it's not that high. So you have to have quite a big population to have that. And that's what we're showing, the, the days of old, the days of glory that once were, and now look at what we've left. 
The produce we get nowadays, we've got no, no such idea, pasty, no, nothing like this anymore. What Yana Amelech had on Ha'amelech, what we've got in this place called Gufnitz, we don't have anything like this anymore. So, as I said in the next year, we'll go into more detail into this sugya and how it comes out, the halacha.